Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you could join us. As we drop this episode, we are at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference in Anaheim, California this week, and we are so excited to meet some of our friends, learn from each other, and just share in this great community of professionals and ministry volunteers. If you're at the conference this week, please stop by our booth and say hello, and I hope that you'll join us on Tuesday morning at 8.30 when our guest speaker, Nathan Chappelle, the Senior Vice President of AI at DonorSearch, will be sharing his new book, The Generosity Crisis, which he co-authored with Changing Our World's CEO, Brian Crimmins. We're going to have a fascinating conversation about how the role and the view of philanthropy have changed and how making a radical connection through stewardship is how Catholic organizations can address this issue. In November, I plan to have both Nathan and Brian on our show here for an in-depth interview on the book, and so I'll be looking to you, our audience, to offer your questions about the book, and I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for you to pre-order the book on Amazon and a link to send me an email with your questions. Looking forward to it. We have a busy fall season here at Advancing Our Church. In November, I will be facilitating a panel discussion at a brand new conference called the Catholic Crypto Conference on November 17th and 18th at the Valley Forge Convention Center in my home state here of Pennsylvania. If you're interested in this space like I am and want to learn from leading experts on Bitcoin and crypto and how they're going to impact our world and our church, you need to join us. I'll leave a link to the conference in the show notes of this episode. We have a lot going on here in the fall for advancing our church, and so again, I encourage you to please subscribe to this show wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And now, let's get to work. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Tom Smith, the Director of Development for the Archdiocese of Newark. Tom took the role in Newark just about a year ago, and I had the opportunity to go visit him in person in his office. And we talk about Tom's role in the diocese as he transitioned from the Diocese of Metuchen, his unique perspective on development and his leadership style, and even his roots back on Staten Island. We had a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. And so, without further ado, here is Tom Smith. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Jim. Always a pleasure. Always good to be with you. Yeah, it's nice to be back here in the Archdiocese of Newark. It's been a couple years for me. Wonderful to be back here in the Diocesan Center. And, and you've been here, what, it's almost a year now, October? October will be a year. Excellent. So, it feels more than a year, to be honest, but in a good way. I've enjoyed every moment. I look forward to doing more good work. Uh, we're on our way. We have a good, we're on a good path here, so uh, very excited uh, for what the next year is going to bring. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, well, tell us a little bit about now. Cardinal Tobin was appointed in 2016, so he's been here a while. And w- so what has his been, been his focus with the Archdiocese? I know that you guys have gone through, like many dioceses, these uh, lis- listening sessions, and that's helped kind of create some priorities. What has been his focus over the last couple of years? I, I don't think our diocese, uh, or Archdiocese rather, has been, you know, our focus is much different, or the priorities are much different than others. But, you know, certainly our seminarians, we have this seminary over at Seton Hall, which is uh, always a priority, uh, not just attracting vocations, but also educating those, you know, within and forming and preparing them for when they are given their first assignments and then building upon that because conceivably a lot of them are going to end up being pastors. So both the vocational and the priestly formation have been priority. Social ministries, both our Catholic Charities and our Mercy House, they do a ton of social ministry and social concerns work and pro-life efforts. 
And then most recently, you know, the Synod sessions, which have been within the last year, one of the larger projects, but one of the bigger focuses for the archdiocese, the Synod listening sessions in and around the archdiocese and, and with the parishes. So, you know, that's been very popular, pretty good feedback, uh, a lot of feedback, and she could now aggregate all that data and put it in the form of, of, of a report. But I would say those those three areas yeah. have been primary focuses, have been the primary focus. Uh, and then what supports all of that? You know, our annual appeal, which is one of the most, you know, it's one of the bigger fundraisers for the archdiocese and drives the funding for the ministries that we were discussing as well. So... That's wonderful. And you came, it's so funny, you came up from uh, the Diocese of Metuchen, and I've been in contact with your successor there. And tell us a little bit about what drew you to the Archdiocese. I know that you're, you're, this is kind of home for you. Yeah, it's become my home over the course of the last 20 years. So this position and the Archdiocese has, is very personal for me, mm-hmm. which was a big draw and a big part of the attraction to the, to the position. I went to Seton Hall University for my undergrad, which is our Archdiocesan University. And that was really my first exposure to, to the Archdiocese. It wasn't why I went to Seton Hall, but nevertheless. And while I was there, two very you know, transformational things happened in my life that have eventually kept me and led me to be a big part of the Archdiocese of Newark. First was the fact that she was not my wife then, but she's my wife now. Uh, <laughs> but we had met at Seton Hall. Right. Shortly after graduating, graduating, we were dating, and that kept me in the in the Northern Jersey Archdiocese of Newark area because she is originally from the Ironbound. Mm. The Ironbound is the downtown section of Newark, heavily Spanish and Portuguese, and my wife is a Spanish immigrant. So she lives in this area, grew up in this area. So my relationship with her kept me here. Secondly, when I graduated Seton Hall, I was working for a Catholic fundraising and consulting firm. Uh, I was there for many years, about nine years, and a lot of our work at the time was in the Archdiocese of Newark. So I started to learn you know, the geographic landscape, the religious and the historical landscape, but also the needs of the archdiocese. And that's where a lot of my relationships started to build. So I think between those two things, I started to become more and more drawn into the archdiocese and it it started to become a little bit more personal. Fast forward in all that time, my wife and I ended up moving from where we were living. We were living out in Staten Island, which is where I'm from originally. And then we moved and now we worship in the Archdiocese of Newark. And our kids go to school at one of our schools here as well. So really over the course of the last 20 years, it's been a big part of my life. It's where I'm pretty much grounded. And I think that there's something special there. You know, Uh, it's very rare that get to intertwine both your professional life, uh, your personal life, and your spiritual life. Yeah. And those three things kind of present itself for my my situation, and that was a big attraction to the position. It's very personal for me. This is home for me, and it just means that much more for me. And and I can tell, Tom, because I've known you for a few years, but I can tell the, the excitement, too, because you, you, you bring a lot of yourself to whatever role that you have, right? So having your faith so integral to your work is uh, brings about a, a, a different kind of passion, I think, to the work that we do, and that's wonderful. Yeah, it certainly does. You know, as we were discussing earlier, I think we always have to keep the spiritual context as the focal point, we're not fundraisers as much as we are inviting those to be a part of the mission of the church, which is to you know make ministry happen, create formation, and to evangelize. But like you said, you know, because it's personal, yeah, I do try to bring that out in our work and make it more you know you know mission based, 
We, we, without money, we can't have mission, but without mission, we can't have money. True. <laughs> do you come from a big family? Big enough. Yeah. You know, my immediate family is not that big, but we do have lots of cousins and aunts and uncles, and we are very close. So, you know, we have typical Irish-Italian upbringing, Irish-Catholic-Italian-Catholic upbringing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so funny you mentioned Staten Island. My son, Dylan, is dating a, a, a lovely young woman who is from Staten Island, and her father was NYPD in Staten oh, Island for yeah. for he for might live on my years. block. He might. <laughs> great family. Yeah, I won't say their names here on no. the air, but they're a great family. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're down in uh, at Temple University now together. But uh, that's exciting. Yeah, big supporters of the NYPD and all sure. first responders. They all do good work. And, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what has been your focus since you've taken over over the past year, and you know, tell us maybe a little bit about how has Newark uh, been kind of shaped a little bit by the pandemic and the work that you're doing. Yeah. You know, we're, we're starting to come back from all the quarantines and restrictions of, of the pandemic, which has certainly impacted, you know, all areas and all locations. You know, the, you know, we're, we're looking to do a couple of things. I mean, you know, we certainly have our annual appeal, which funds the many critical ministries in and in, 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 in throughout the archdiocese. A lot of that was just being done virtually or remotely for the last two plus years. So we're starting to try to bring our interactions with our pastors, our parish staff, and our parishioners back to in-person. I think there's a time when we utilize the virtual means and a time when we utilize the one-to-one personal interactions. So certainly, I mean, I think that, you know, COVID and the pandemic taught us how we can better utilize virtual means, but I certainly don't think it replaces the the one-on-one interactions. And we're starting to look to bring back some of our gatherings that we may have had prior to the pandemic, which include, but are not limited to our, you know, meetings with donors and parishioners, our kickoff meetings for and, and receptions for the annual appeal and things like that. But, you know, we are looking to you know, grow the work of the annual appeal. It's been very successful for the last two years. Part of that is being on site with our pastors and our parishioners. Sure. You know, we have a couple of areas of the annual appeal that certainly need attention and, and good attention. And I think we can be much more effective by, by, by being on site with our parishes, which COVID kind of limited us to. So we are starting to get back out on site. We're also, you know, aside from the, the annual appeal, looking to support the parish needs as well, which certainly took a step back during COVID. I don't want to say the the anyone neglected it, so that's, that's not what I'm trying to say. But to be a little bit more proactive in looking at the parish's operating and capital needs. So we're looking at our parish offertory programs, our parish stewardship programs, and our parish capital campaigns. So we're looking to get those up and running, uh, and, and we're starting to make some some headway and some strides toward those areas. And plan giving. Yeah. You know, our plan giving can't say it enough how important it is. You know, legacy planning, you know, it's important for the individual and for the family, but then also for the viability and sustainability of the, of the church universal, it's critical, you know, and, and I think many people don't realize they can be the most philanthropic by some form of an estate plan or some type of a planned gift. And it just begins with some initial promotion and education about it. Plan giving, there's something for everyone, and it's a way for an individual or for a family to be both philanthropic receive some tax benefits, and they can still leave their family as a beneficiary and, and, and support their family through their legacy. So, and, and the average planned gift to a charitable organization is 200 times that individual's annual gift. So the impact that can have kind Tremendous. of speaks for itself. So, yeah. you know, those are just some areas we're, we're looking to either start and or reignite that, that COVID unfortunately 
resulted in those programs taking either a step back or uh, no focus at all. Yeah. You mentioned working with pastors, and obviously that's such a critical part of the work that you do. And I know you have tremendous experience in, in working with pastors and parishes. What, what When you first came on the scene and, and over the last year, I mean, how, how have you kind of begun to foster those relationships? Such a big place, the Archdiocese of Newark. And, and like, where, where did you start with yeah. starting to get to know yeah. the, the guys that you're going to be working with? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good question. And I would say I knew right away, I was going to start with one very broad general outreach, introducing myself, but letting them know that I'm going to be calling them mm-hmm. so that it wasn't a cold call or, or anything of that nature. So really just, you know, once we communicated with them on the larger scale, really just began the, the one-to-one follow-up to schedule time and, and meeting meetings with the pastors. And sometimes it was with the pastors one-on-one. Sometimes it was with the pastors and their finance councils. Sometimes it was with the pastors and their staff. So it varied. So to, you know, sure. to, to not be you know, confined in, in, in a box as to how you were going to approach it, you certainly want to meet them where they're at with their comfort levels. Right. And you know, certainly having those other constituents uh, in the room helps as well because uh, they all have a hand in, in what we do. And we do rely on parish leadership at all levels in order for us to be successful. So really it began with that one-on-one. And having a conversation about, you know, what it is that we are looking to do to support the parishes and what we can do to support the parishes. And also, you know, getting the feedback on what they want to see from our office and what their needs are at the parish levels. And then we can take it from there and to formulize and formulate a, a better strategy and a better plan on, on how we can meet those those various needs. And, and at the end of the day, I think what our objective was, was certainly to start building those relationships. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one way to define the relationship is to to have them in a texting, you know, do you know Father So-and-so? Oh, yeah, I text them all the time, you know. Yeah. You want to get to that level, I think, with pastors, that comfort level. Yes. Um, and I think the, the, the goal of this exercise, which is very time-consuming, but we have to be very deliberate and intentional right. um, with our time in, in, in reaching out to them, is to understand where the the parish and pastors are at with both the parish needs and the the larger uh, archdiocese, how we can support them in their pastoral work when it comes to development, you know, and, and in building and engaging them, create that comfort level and giving them the tools to really carry out the message that we do ask them to, to do for us when it comes to matters of the annual appeal. And we've been pretty successful with that. It's ongoing. And that's the, the second step to all of this. It's, it's not a one and done interaction or, or anything, but keep those interactions ongoing. And so engaging the pastors one-on-one was a very big step or the first step that I took uh, coming here. A tremendous investment in time, but certainly worth it, given those are the folks that you're serving. Do you guys, through the annual appeal, I'm sure you support a variety of different ministries, but does your development function lend some support or interact with other offices around the archdiocese? We do. You know, I want to say any and all offices, Yeah, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) You know, certainly, I mean, right down the hall is finance department and the accounting department and I can't speak enough about uh, the amount of work that they do to ensure that, you know, we're in compliance with audit procedures, that our money is deposited and, right. and accounted for properly and, and everything. You know, there's there's thousands upon thousands of transactions each and every day that they're getting and they're really good. And probably our, I, I mean, I don't think anybody is our number one partner, but they are certainly, you know, a big partner in all of this and can't speak enough to the amount of work that they do for us and to the amount of support that they do provide us. You know, we work strongly with our communications team. 
you know, what we do and what, what they do, especially when it comes to this type of work, you know, we're, we're very much tethered. So getting their guidance, you know, we work very closely with them. And then the, the, the various ministries that, you know, our annual appeal funds. Sure. You know, we work with those uh, various ministry heads and oftentimes we try to find a beneficiary of that ministry to maybe speak on the appeal's behalf or to maybe create, you know, an impact story. So, you know, that includes but is not limited to Catholic Charities, Mercy House, the, the school's office, because that, that's we, we support our Catholic schools and our students as well. We have ministries for, you know, the disability, the blind and the deaf ministries, our multi-ethnic ministries also, and our vocations and, and our seminarians. So we, we work with all of them throughout the appeal in various capacities. Sometimes we are interviewing them just like this to try to get their story out to the larger uh, archdiocese because the ministry work is ongoing. It's not just through the six-month active phase of the annual appeal. We certainly don't want anyone ever to feel that the church is only asking for money. Right. And, and you know, we want to keep those stories ongoing because the ministries are ongoing throughout 12 months of the year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen during the months of the appeal, and we don't want anyone hearing about them only during the twelve months of uh, six months of the appeal. So sometimes we work with them, you know, to get some form of a testimonial or an impact story. Which sometimes we do it by way of video. Sometimes we do it by way of you know written testimonial, and we'll provide that to parishes to to publish, uh, or maybe we'll send it out in a, an email communication. And sometimes we invite them to speak at masses yeah. and share their story and, and be present, which uh, we do get a lot of requests for that from parishes. I would love to be at a point where we, we can accommodate all of them, but uh, <laughs> little by little, we're getting there. So those are just some of the little ways we, we work with other departments and really leverage the resources around us. Yeah, absolutely. And those interdepartmental relationships are so important. I remember my days in Allentown, just just informing each other of what we see out in the field and how we can support one another and how we can support different parishes that need our help. And and that's kind of sometimes sometimes spending some time in the CFO's office or with the communications director kind of alerts you as to where you need to be focusing your time. Yeah. And what I love about that too is is a couple of things. Is one, it, it doesn't silo at one department from the next. Right. You know, um, you know, we are all on the same team. We get a lot of feedback from those that we work with when they are out at the parishes or when they're doing appeal work on our behalf and it, and they bring it back to us and they give us their perspective, they give us their opinions and and it's all in an effort to improve our own efforts. That's one of those ancillary benefits of of working with with other departments and leveraging those around us. Can't say enough about having those relationships and the ability to to do that it's it's appreciated and it's and it's very much needed mm-hmm. you know the biggest companies in the world like like they'll say the best marketing begins from the ground up from yeah. the, the employees at the the most entry level to the to the highest you know you need everyone within the organization to understand what your mission is and to understand what your scope is and they will be your best salespeople. yes you know so and word of mouth is one of the best forms of marketing and sales. So <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. the peer to peer. And I love what you were saying earlier, just about you know the in, the informality of being able to text back and forth with pastors, and you're just you become a real person. I hate to you know not to put too fine a point on it, but you become more approachable, in other words, yep. and and that's yeah. how real relationships can can begin, and then you can really be of service to them. Yep. You know? Yeah, and it again, you know, yeah, you define that relationship by the. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, the texting side of things. Yes. And, and he kept those meetings very informal. You go with a couple of bullet points of items and topics you want to discuss, but to keep the conversation fluid, you hear them out. And, and when you begin engaging and seeking feedback, I do think that you know beautiful things happen and that's where the best ideas are, are formed and those relationships are, are invaluable and, and they become you know key to all the work that we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about stewardship. How is, uh, has stewardship been kind of, in, do you find your parishes and stewardship are embracing it as a spirituality or have you been doing more increased offertory or how is, how is the feeling around stewardship in the diocese? Uh, I would say two sides to that. The stewardship principles, we are certainly incorporating into, into all of our correspondence, into all of our communications and into virtually any forum that we're meeting in. We do try to incorporate those stewardship principles because that is the foundation of, of all that we do. Realizing that our gifts are really not our own, right? They are blessings from God and that we have to be responsible with what God has entrusted with us and, and to share those gifts and to steward those gifts in justice and, and responsibly. So we do try to incorporate that into everything that we do and certainly in all of our messaging and, and in our, all of our communications. So little by little by little, we're starting to be less transactional mm -hmm. in the way we do things and the way we communicate and more spiritual and more transformational. And and I think that's that's really important that the the spiritual and the stewardship concept is undergirding all of our efforts. And that's been very well received, to be honest. We did a very formal slash informal in pew training, for example, for pastors for the annual appeal. It was really a combination. Uh, the message and the presentation was a combination of the the reason why we do the NPU, the process of the NPU, and the messaging of the NPU. And it was very deliberate, so much so where you know an actual example of an NPU solicitation was done when we were meeting about this, and we had asked everyone to pass down their NPU cards, <laughs> I uh, love even it. <laughs> though it was just a demonstration. Sure, yeah. And then maybe we paused to talk about why we're doing that, mm -hmm. and then we went back into the demonstration. So my, my point is, is um, in this particular example of the NPU training, yeah, we incorporated the purpose, the process, but the, the messaging. And a big part of that messaging was, you know, what we're called to do as stewards and disciples, you know, of Christ and, and why we're called to do it. We worship on Sundays, but we are called to live our life every single day. Mm -hmm. And a big part of our faith is imitating Christ in his footsteps. It's not an easy thing to do. And to do that every day, certainly not an easy thing to do. But to realize that, you know, through our formation efforts, our education efforts, through our outreach efforts, those are examples of the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy that we are challenged to carry out each and every day. So we try to incorporate all of that in our messaging. We are conducting what, what we termed the parish pandemic recovery and offertory program for the parishes. For short, PROP. P-R-O-P <laughs> -P -P, yep. was the acronym. It wasn't designed that way. It just kind of happened that way. Because it's not meant to just, yes, the objective is to increase the annual offertory for these parishes. But there are also other objectives and measurables as well, such as those who are requesting envelopes or the use of online giving? Are we capturing emails and cell phones so that we can better communicate and communicate in the ways by which people are starting to prefer these days as well? 
And what are we messaging? You know, uh, one of the big pieces of this program is also seeking prayer intentions. When we keep prayer as the focal point, we do tend to be successful. But I do think it's important to th- that whenever we are communicating, and in this case, we're soliciting in, in some form, to also solicit prayer intentions and to be very open and transparent that, you know, your prayer intentions are very important to us. We do take them seriously. So please consider you know, submitting a prayer intention along with your response card as well. So for our offertory program for the parishes, uh, we are conducting that this fall. We're doing it from from our office. And, you know, while the objective is to address the first collection in order to provide the resources that the parishes need, it's also to call greater attention to the liturgical, structural, ministerial, and spiritual position of the parishes. And prayer intentions is just one way to do it. I I love what you're saying on so many levels. One of the things that stuck out to me was we've got to make this less transactional. And everything that you're saying just really supports that. Helping the, you know, really following the donor through their journey of how they experience parish life, the archdiocese, the needs of the diocese, the needs in their own parish, and then helping them to find a way to contribute towards that, feed into that, not only with their, obviously their stewardship, but their time, their talent, and their own spirituality, their spiritual journey. That that seems to be really core and at the center for you, and I, I really can appreciate that. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's, that's the goal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and in many yeah. instances, we're doing this. Yeah. And we don't even realize it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we just want to be able to now, you know, link into the larger picture of, you know, what the church and what the archdiocese looks like and how this all kind of fits with with one another. Tremendous, tremendous. So, Tom, the economy has been up and down and we've experienced a lot of highs and lows with the stock market and certainly with the Fed and the hikes and the interest rates and all that. Are you seeing that impact your fundraising? I hear from parishioners and even pastors that it is potentially going to impact. By that, I just mean some qualitative commentary. Now is not a good time. The economy isn't good. So I think the feelings and the emotions are there. And I do think we have to be mindful of that. Financially, I have not seen an impact, uh, you know, within the last six months because our average gift is up in the annual appeal by, was $350 Last year, it is $375 this year. Wonderful. So our average gift is up. We have roughly the same amount of parishioners to date who have donated to the annual appeal this year compared to last year at the same time, yet we have $600,000 more pledged. Wow. Uh, so Great. Uh, year to date, you know, compared. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the numbers wouldn't necessarily say that you know, the market, the economy, the interest rates have necessarily impacted giving. Does it cause or result in some fundraising programs maybe being postponed for a little while, potentially, but we're moving forward with with our prop program this fall. Our annual appeal has been doing well. You know, we are starting to work now with the parishes on their own individual needs at the parish levels for their, you know, capital campaign work. So I I can't say I've actually seen it in the Mm -hmm. numbers, but I have heard it mostly, you know, at the parish levels. I just think we have to be mindful and really, again, tell that story that the the needs don't go away. Mm -hmm. And if there's ever a time when markets are not doing well or the economy is bad, you can make an argument that the needs increase. Uh, We saw that with COVID. And, And during COVID, charitable organizations, especially the church, if they 
spoke to their communities and if they spoke to their constituents and their parishioners and their donors, uh, they saw some of the highest levels of giving in recent years than ever. I think part of that is because you know our, our mission became more relevant and more critical, arguably, than ever before because you saw it every day on the news. Everybody was experiencing the same thing. So I think in times of downturns with the markets and the economy, you can make an argument that the needs are only greater. They don't go away. I mean, those of us that are Again, blessed certain means and certain treasures are, you know, called to to share that um, at a greater level than maybe we we would have. I can't agree more. We we've seen the same thing with our clients at Changing Our World. Those clients that were that were bold and moved forward during the pandemic and conti- have continued to move forward are only that much farther ahead. And so, uh, not being shy with what the needs are, because we're not asking for ourselves. We're asking for the mission. We're asking for others. I think that's so so critical. So, Tom, as we wrap up, anything new coming up for the fall you want to mention? Well, you know, I, I spoke about the PROP program. Right. So that is mm-hmm. that is a new program for uh, the Archdiocese, uh, mm-hmm. the first time it's being run. Very exciting. So exciting about that and exciting to hopefully continue that in, in upcoming falls and upcoming years. We brought on two new hires recently. One is our Associate Director for Development, and we will be bringing on uh, an Associate Director for major, major Gifts and Special Projects. So looking forward to start forming and developing our major gift efforts that have kind of been halted as a result of, of COVID. So that's going to be a new uh, initiative. We're going to spend more time, you know, we're doing it now, but we certainly anticipate beefing up our efforts with our on-site time at the parishes in anticipation of our annual appeal. You know, part of that is going to be, you know, our on-site time with the parishes. We're looking to start to gather again, uh, like we we did once before, and and bring back our annual appeal gatherings and, and receptions in the latter fall, early winter months as part of a kickoff. We're also going to be putting together a, a track of topics and trainings for pastors and parish staff in relation to the annual appeal. So as opposed to just having what our kickoff meeting was, which was a simple review of the schedule of the annual appeal, when the materials were going out, when everything is due, here's the manual, uh, you know, here is the, the samples of the bulletin inserts and the pulpit announcements, Obviously, we want to do that, but also we're going to be scheduling, and we're in the process of of developing the the programs, but scheduling three to four training slash, you know, webinar sessions on topics that are specific to the annual appeal that pastors and parish staff can benefit from so that we can improve our our efforts. and, And we have the ability to be more specific in what we're doing as opposed to just trying to get everything done in a kickoff meeting. Sure. And I noticed, on a personal note, you just finished up a PhD. Finished up the coursework for the PhD. Okay. So I'm an ABD. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the worst type of PhD that exists, all but dissertation. Okay. uh, ABD. So I finished up the coursework. I I have to uh, complete my research component and then defend it. That's a personal goal of mine. I don't anticipate that happening in the in the upcoming year, given mm-hmm. the the new position and the family life at home, both of which are priorities. Of course. So I certainly hope to complete yeah. the, the the doctorate at some point. Okay, <laughs> then we'll be calling in you, its entirety. We'll be calling you Doctor Smith. Then. I hope yeah, so. The next yeah. time we have you, you know, know, I say to yeah. my uh, my brother and my my family, 
when that time comes, there's going to be two charts that I'm going to unveil. There's going to be a chart of those who have to call me doctor and those who don't. <laughs> Start working on which one you want to be on. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, not to mention you have uh, two beautiful daughters at home, what, ages two and four. Yeah, that, and yes. That's tremendous. So that'll keep you a little bit busy. It I keeps know from, us busy. I know and, from experience. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and it's what, what we do all of this for, essentially. You exactly. Know, the, the, yeah. The Catholic Church and the Catholic schools have been a big part of our lives, Jim. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's formed you, it's formed me. Mm-hmm. You know, we do this to keep it going because, you know, hope, you know, I, I, that's part of the motivation is to have that there for your children as well yeah. because mm-hmm. of the, the part it played in, and the role it has played in our everyday lives. Exactly. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast yeah, and having me you. out here to the Archdiocese. Yeah, right. Beautiful view uh, yeah. of, the, of our cathedral uh, here in Newark. It which is. Uh, rivals any and most cathedrals, <laughs> I, I'm going to say. So. I would have to agree. I'd have to <laughs> it's agree. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of architecture and also uh, the history of it. So um, certainly encourage everyone to come see it, take the tour. There are tours. So, yeah? Uh, yeah, you can schedule well, it's, tours. It's, it's yeah. big. I mean, yeah. it is a big cathedral. It's yeah. beautiful. We'll make sure we put links to Tom and to uh, the Appeal and to the Archdiocese of Newark in the show notes of this episode. Tom, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. I enjoyed our time. Always enjoy our time together, Jim. Absolutely. Thank you. God bless. Be well. I want to thank Tom for joining us today. I'll leave a link in the show notes to Tom on LinkedIn so that you can connect with him and the Archdiocese of Newark. Thanks again, Tom, for all you do for the faithful in the Archdiocese of Newark. It was great having you on the show today. Once again, if you're here in Anaheim this week, I hope you're going to stop by our booth and say hello or come see us on Tuesday morning at 8.30 for our interview with Nathan Chappelle of DonorSearch on the generosity crisis. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless.